0: Welcome to the Red Dove. We are women storytellers and our stories center on Black women, activism, or mental health. I'm Liz. I'm Blue. I'm Rainey. And tonight we're going to be doing a story in activism, but in environmental activism. Rainey, this one might hit a little home for you. We're going to talk about California fires.
1: So like my front door (laughs) cool are you
0: yeah is it burning
1: yet um today I don't think anything's on fire but it is only 9 a.m so we'll see
2: (laughs) wow that's crazy that it's so like consistent like that it is like I don't mean to be flippant
1: about it but I mean like when you deal with it all the time like it just Mm -hmm. You're just like, okay, you smell smoke and you kind of figure out which direction it's coming in. And then you're like, okay, well, traffic's going to be awful. And let me make sure that my stuff is packed in case I got to get out.
2: Wow. I can't imagine that. When did you become used to it?
1: I think it's gotten bad. Like I, I remember being in high school and we would talk about fire season and it would just be a couple months out of the year. So we kind of always knew like around this time, there were possibilities, but in the last 10 years, it's gotten really, really bad. I mean, there have been times where, where my parents live, um, the freeways kind of pigeonhole them. And I remember they were separated. My grandmother's all the way down in San Diego and they couldn't get to her because the Mm. freeways were completely on fire. And so she was on the other side and, you know, they were North of that and there was nowhere to go. And then another fire kind of cropped up north of them. So they were kind of right in the middle of these two massive fires. And I couldn't get down to my parents and my parents couldn't get out. I mean, you know, it was a good like 20, 30 miles of like space, but it was still very scary. And I would say like, especially in the last, like, like I said, 10 Five, five, 10 years, it's really become a very commonplace thing. It's where now we have alerts on our phones. And when we're at school, there are days where we can't go out because the air quality is so bad wow. because fires. And so there's no outdoor activity. And there have been times where we've had to cancel school because the smoke from a fire is so bad. The kids can't breathe. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, we've had fire days.
0: Yeah. When I was like started looking into this, it's just... It was like a story about frustration because the experts, they know how to prevent these megafires, but nobody's doing it pretty much. So let's go all the way back to prehistoric California.
1: I feel like
0: I'm about to be very pissed off. (laughs) The academics believe that between 4.4 million and 11.8 million acres burned each year in prehistoric California. And then between 1982 to 1998, uh, they burned on average about 30,000 acres a year. And then between 1999, 2017, that number drops to an annual 13,000 acres. After 2018, the state passed a few new laws designated to facilitate more intentional burning, but fewer optimistic that this alone will lead to any significant change. And that's like the whole thing is like this intentional burning, right? Like that's
1: how. I mean, I know that indigenous peoples here before, you know, this area was colonized I mean I don't know why we don't just take cues from what they used to do because I know that they used to do intentional burning and they had ways of managing this and they knew what they were doing and it's like you know colonizers came in here and were like oh you have all this wonderful stuff set up and you know what you're doing let's not do any of that yes exactly
0: that's 1905 well no it was the gold rush that was the gold rush. Um, then 1905, the US Forest Service created uh, like with a military mindset, it was described as Americans should redirect their combative impulses away from their fellow humans and on to quote nature, war on fire mentality. And that like really took off in California because like, as you said, like white people, who had emerged from the genocide and cultural destruction of indigenous people's tribes, um, they tried to teach them that you have to do these prescribed burnings to actually keep the land good, right? So, but no, the white people that repopulated California, the gold rush extraction enthusiasts, a little more than half a century later, due to their uh, activities, it suffered a truly devastating fire that left 3,000 people dead and hundreds of thousands left homeless.
1: Can I just say anytime America's like, we're going to have a war on this inanimate, like, you know, abstract idea, it never ends well, right? War on crime, (laughs) war on poverty, war on fire, like, maybe we just need to sit our asses down and like, Take it from somebody else. We don't do well when we start waging war on stuff. Right. It
2: it always ends up having the opposite effect. Right. War on drugs. Yeah. Yes. We are struggling with our wars.
1: Yeah.
2: And what's the common
0: link? White supremacy. So gold rush, indigenous persons are wiped out. And so like this white supremacist attitude of how things are going to be run starts to take over. And like, yeah, every... So well, who do we have today? Cal Fire, mm. California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, Government Agency. It's apparently a big business. Oh yeah. <laughs> For example, like before 1999, Cal Fire, they never spent more than 100 million. But between 2007 and 2008 they spent 524 million. Yeah. 2017 and 2018, 773 million and on top of all of the state money federal disaster funds that would flow down from quote the big bank in the sky over a quarter of the u.s forest service fire suppression spend spending goes to aviation wow they have like planes and helicopters to put out
1: fires. Oh yeah. Yeah, You see them all the time. I mean, I remember it was last year, the year before there was a big fire that was going on near LA and one of the, one of the airplanes dropped, but they dropped like that special, like pink liquid or, or something over a school. So a bunch of kids got hit. Oh my God. It was like, I was like, how did you, how did you, so it was a whole thing. And like the school had to be shut down for a few days because they had like all this fire retardant that was dumped all over the school. Like kids were outside playing and they, it, it was, it was crazy.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: It's awful. But yeah, I mean, like when you hear them, that's that's how you know their fires because you hear the planes go by and you see them drop their red, you know, things from the sky. Like I was in, there's a huge fire right where I am and I could see the flames and the mountains like it, it looks like something like post-apocalyptic when you're in it it's really very terrifying like you know especially at night when you just see just ridges on fire and you know you you know you you see you know the animals that are fleeing from it and you know mm-hmm. everything oh. or your car you go outside and your car is covered in ash like it looks almost like snow there's so much ash in the air that gets dumped Right on top of your
2: car. Wow, this is a great lesson. You know, I got to pull in the mental health for the grass is always greener. Like I'm sitting here now, and every thought I had about ever just picking up and relocating to the west
1: Mm-mm. is
2: escaping me right now. It's, it's <laughs> fleeing from my brain. Like, but, as go ahead, Rainy. But we we do have bomb Mexican food, so there's that that's great if you can get to it that's what it sounds like like if you can get to it then enjoy but this is really wild like it is a way of life here I mean how you
1: deal with fires you know looking it up like I remember there was uh I mean in all these fires I'm talking about I feel like these are all different ones there was one when my son was two years old and there was a fire in the hills that it, it the house that he was being babysat at and I was at work and I'm like I have to go, I have to get him before they shut that down because they close things off and you can't leave or, you know, you can't go come or go. And mm-hmm. I'm like, if I don't get to him, he's going to be stuck with the babysitter for who knows how
2: long. Wow. So
1: I had to get off of work like three hours early and go speed like a bat out of hell to go get my kid and then get out of there before um, they started making it impossible for people to come and go. Because I mean, people will drive and like, you'll see the side of the freeway just completely on fire and Whoa. Driving. I mean, I've been in a bus with my students coming home from a field trip, and something was on fire on the side of the road, and the entire bus heated up as we went by. Like the kids all screamed and ran to the other side of the bus because we could feel the heat, like on the side of our faces. It was hot. Driving by this fire on the freeway, and then they shut the freeway down, like right after our bus went through, and it was another major wow. freeway in California. And that's just, you know, that's part of kind of like it's the norm now and it's scary that that's normal that you're like okay well the 10 freeway is shut down because there's a fire so I gotta take this freeway or I gotta right. it down. Mm. Like, The freeways are gonna be awful and everybody's gonna be backed up and you know how close is it and you know just getting used to monitoring where it travels it's
2: mm.
1: it's a huge issue it's and it's and now I realize like talking to it I, like it's it's normal here but now as I'm looking at your faces I'm like right oh, <laughs> Like hard hard definitely like
2: this is like the pollen doesn't seem too bad anymore the <laughs> pollen of, of the tri-state area i mean hey do your thing um pollinators <laughs> do whatever you need to do at this point grow trees like i am yeah just as you were saying my eyes my whole nose is scrunched up um in complete confusion as to why ever felt like I needed to move to the West Coast. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but that is really deep. Like, it's so interesting how we each have our challenge, put it like that. Um, right. Go ahead, Liz. Tell us more about this challenge that Rainey and crew are dealing with. The oh,
0: I know. Nice. Well, what I don't understand because the guys that are running it are like, you know they're like extras of Top Gun. You know what I mean? It's like America, and like they make they make it like an air show with the planes. Because like you were saying, they drop them in the afternoons. Well, that just so happens to be the least effective time to take out the fire. So what they should first off, if you're gonna use the planes, do it on small uh, do it on small fires in the morning when the retardant drops from the planes are most effective not on large fires in the afternoon.
2: Where'd you get that info from? Just cause I know you and I know that you didn't do this work previously. So I'm Pro just public.
0: curious. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. So this whole, this story is um, several sources, several different ProPublica articles, we'll list all the sources. Uh, yeah, I think just three different ProPublica articles and maybe nice. a couple like Google searches looking okay. up things. Well, we'll put up all of the sources. But yeah, if this interests you go further, check out ProPublica. They are a non independent investigative journalism journalists, um, and they do some really excellent work. They investigate corruptions of power.
1: So check it out. <laughs>
2: they and don't they, want
1: that confusion. I
2: didn't know that. So thank you for clearing that up. I did. Had to clear it up. Possibly on the side. Maybe (laughs) a Sunday hustle. Had to clear it up. That's why with Liz, I'm like, if you fly planes, then you've been holding out. So (laughs) you, we should have been talked about this, but okay, (laughs) cool. Yeah. The ProPublica,
0: they interviewed a critic of Cal Fire, a man by the name of Beasley. And he described... CAL FIRE, like this. He said the whole system is exasperated by the fact that it's not just contracts for privately owned aircraft. Much of the fire suppression apparatus, the crews themselves, the infrastructure that supports them, is contracted out to private firms. The Halliburton model from the Middle East is kind of an effect for all the infrastructure that comes in the fire camps. The catering, the trucks that you can sleep in that are air-conditioned, so, yeah, so that's it's this whole war on fire mentality with little effect. And Beasley, he has been a wildland firefighter since 1984. And he says that California today uh, resembles a rookie pyro Armageddon. Oh, my scorched God. Bat- <laughs> yeah, scorched battlefields studded with soldiers wielding fancy tools, executing foolhardy strategies.
2: The whole idea, as I'm thinking about, you know, war on fires, and we keep talking about this, why do we continue to fight things that we can't win against, like, and label it as such? Because you can't really fight a fire and win, if you use it, use those words in that way. You can work with a fire to lessen (laughs) it. You get what I'm saying? Like, I'm just thinking about the words, because even as you're saying, like, the battle, and then I'm seeing, like, them flying the planes and they're like I'm I'm gonna drop this this the fire's not actually a war against you I'd like to think of that like you were saying like from a different perspective uh rather than a war on it because that
1: just doesn't make sense but see the problem with that blue is then you can't have fancy fire trucks with air conditioning if they're working (laughs) with the fire true True. crush their dreams you can't idolize that and you can't be like look at how big and badass we are america (laughs) there it's like that it's just i think that whole state i mean i i I like that you pointed that out like yeah this even the name fire fighting right like we don't do any we don't earthquake fight we don't tornado (laughs) other natural disaster fight we we bunker down like okay let's get through this and 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 prepare our environment to withstand what's going to happen rather than waiting for it to happen and then reacting to forces of God, basically. Right. Like, like, and we are so arrogant. We're like, yeah, we've got this. We don't have it. As a calculator, right. I can tell you, we do not have it. Not at all. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he says until
0: different people own the calculator or say how the buttons get pushed, it's gonna stay that way. So it's like what you were saying is like, you're battling a culture, like a point of view, which is almost harder than anything else. Everything you guys were saying, that's what it reminds me, like you are battling a culture that's that's been in California for hundreds of years. And it's like, even if it's like a growing smaller voice, they are so fucking loud
1: firefighters make bank.
0: Yes, they make $148,000 a year. That's the base pay, special pay, overtime and benefits for a full-time Cal Fire firefighter. So it's almost like you don't want to reduce the amount of fires. But no, that couldn't be.
1: I mean, there is always something we always talked about, like, you know, my, my, my dad worked for, you know, um, a federal agency, which I won't say which one, but, um, you know, he was like, yeah, we get issues a lot of times with, you know, volunteer firefighters sometimes. And of course this is not all of them. So, you know, please don't think that I have any agenda against firefighters themselves. They do a a great service and they, they protect people, but there are, there was, you know, a culture of volunteer firefighters who would kind of knowingly start these because the overtime you get is astronomical. I mean, going in and you, you get a good fire that, you know, you have to call in people from different counties. I mean, they make crazy money. It's not baseless. They interviewed somebody who said that
0: that happens every 5, 10, 15 years. They'll see a firefighter who's, who wants overtime
2: and he starts a fire i don't think that we can blame the lower level though i think it's important to keep in mind like we're all down here doing it at the same time it still is ultimately the system because the policymakers are the ones who can make drastic change in this specific area and we are all just trying to feed our families essentially so i do think that um that's a part of it, right? Like, just like we were saying, everyone having, specifically, like, when we think about regions of the country, everyone having their own challenge and how we essentially add fuel to it, you know, by, even for example, you think about a salary like that in California, nowadays, $100,000 is not really much, right? Like, I'm saying it's a lot. I would want it right now and I would be appreciative of it and I would accept it and love it and probably hug it for a little bit. But (laughs) it's not like add up all your expenses, right? Mm -hmm. You know, your rent, your car payment, all those things, mortgage, whatever. Uh, We spend $100,000 quicker than we know it. um, If we really, even you think about school loans, all those things. So they are they are many to similar other agencies paid well enough to do the job. Because when you really think about it is $150,000 worth of your life. When you know that every single day or every few months, the, the government and the people who have the ability to truly assist in this area are not right. So mm-hmm. really you're just selling your soul, which many of us are in different spaces for a few thousand dollars. When you look at it like that, because no, nope, they don't have to do it, right? You know, so it's almost like that carrot that dangles too. When we see that across the board, we see that in education, we see that even in medical industries. Right. You know, even as we brought up before, like the war on drugs. You stop making them, we don't have a war. <laughs> you know, it's it's the easiest thing to do, right there. If you just change things a little bit, we don't have to keep fighting. But because of these carrots that people enjoy dangling, you know, and we all fall prey to it. Unfortunately, many of us do. And you said it was one hundred forty-eight thousand base
1: pay. Yes. Can I say that base pay for California teachers is maybe a third of that, maybe a little less? Mm-hmm. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Base pay for California teachers somewhere around forty-five to fifty-five thousand. Like so and again, like a bachelor's degree and a teaching credential, and California yeah. has the highest requirements of teachers outside of New York. You have to do the most schooling to be a California teacher, and we make about a third of what firefighters in California make.
0: And it's the same thread. It's you need to change at the top because this is the culture that's being pumped into California for benefit of less than 1%, right? Capitalism. So it's, that's why it's such a hard battle. So that's what they do now. But uh, what some environmental activists want them to start doing more of is what's called uh, a planned burn. but No, prescribed burn. But planning a prescribed burn is cumbersome. A wildfire is categorized as an emergency, which means that firefighters pull down hazard pay and can drive a bulldozer into a protected wilderness area where regulations typically prohibit a mountain bike. So planned burns are human-made events. That's just how they categorize it. So because of like, again, arbitrary choice from the top, the culture, they've decided to categorize a prescribed burn as a human made event, which means now it falls under the Clean Air Act. The Clean Air Act limits the emissions like of certain particles into the air from what they say are quote, human caused events. So putting it all together, many prescribed fire managers uh, particularly in Sierra Nevada, they say that they've spent thousands and thousands of dollars to get all geared up to do a prescribed burn, and then they get shut down because maybe there's too much smog that day from agricultural emissions, or too many locals are complaining that they don't like smoke. So, again, they did make some reforms in 2017, 2018 to loosen some of these rules. So that's a great thing. That's great step keep going um but there's still a lot more to do
1: can i i wanted to you, you people can't see this but i wanted to show you something this is from the fire that was in my area just a little bit ago like last oh my god wow i mean it looks like something out of um like out of lord of the rings right yes that That's that is crazy. where i'm assuming you drop off the ring yeah <laughs> but, but also look at this look at how how biz- is that san bernardino right there that's a major right. city right underneath it. And all of that ash came right down on top of us. And I mean, you could see it from, I could see it from my place.
0: Right. Wow. And like from a science perspective, the air quality impacts from a prescribed burn are minuscule compared to what, we're, what we, know, what you, what California is experiencing right now. So it's like, you know, the complaints about the, ash on your cars is because of like the way that they are not really handling megafires. With prescribed burns, people can plan ahead. They can get out of town. They can install uh, what's called a HEPA, H-E-P-A, filter in their house, and they can make a rational plan to live with smoke. One such group, Firefighters United for Safety, Ethics, and Ecology, or FUSE, Get it, has has been lobbying Congress, trying to educate anybody who will listen about the misguided fire policy that is leading to the mega fires we, California, is seeing today. Fuse said, it's horrible, quote, it's horrible to see this happening when the science is so clear and has been for so many years. I suffer from Cassandra syndrome. Every year I warn people, disaster's coming. We got to change and no one listens. And then it happens. This pattern is a form of insanity. This is still him. He says we keep doing overzealous fire suppression across California landscapes where the fire poses little risk to people and structures. As a result, wildland fuels keep building up. At the same time, the climate grows hotter and drier. Then, boom, the inevitable. The wind blows down a power line or lightning strikes dry grass, and an inferno ensues. Which, let's take a deep dive. Let's go back to 2018 and look at one of these big infernos. Something called the campfire in
1: paradise. My aunt lived there. Oh, I'm sorry. No, she's she's fine. She, she, she made it out, but... That was one of the worst ones, I think in one of the worst in California history. yeah, that was terrifying.
0: Okay, so trigger warning. We're going to be discussing the campfire. Just if this is, you know, don't want to trigger anybody. So this is just a trigger warning. The campfire was the deadliest and most destructive wildfire in California history and the most expensive natural disaster in the world. Named after Camp Creek Road, its place of origin, the fire started on Thursday, November 8, 2018, in North California's Butte County. The fire started by a utility company's faulty electric transmission line. The wildfire grew rapidly, driven by winds that fanned flames across the region. By 8 a.m., local authorities issued evacuation orders for Paradise's
1: roughly 26,000 residents. I remember watching the news on that and us calling my aunt and trying to make sure she got out and figuring out where she was going to go. And I have friends who had parents who lost their entire households in that. It was, it was, I mean, all of us in California just were glued to our TVs because like we're used to fires, but that was something different. Like that was it was horrifying to be there and know so many people who lived there and there's nothing you can do. Like, you know, people are getting trapped and the way paradise is it's, you know, near NorCal and, you know, it's very hilly and you have big redwood trees and nature and it's hard to navigate getting out because it's a, you know, kind of a more rural area. So, I mean, it was just, it was just like a perfect storm for just a, shit show it was a complete shit show it burned for weeks
0: destroyed 18,000 plus structures killed 85 people entire neighborhoods were reduced to ash and rubble over the next year crews working for the state department of resources recycling and recovery removed nearly 3.7 million tons of debris including 673,244 tons of contaminated soil, covered an area of 153,336 acres, with most of the destruction occurring within the first four hours. The towns of Paradise and Conco were almost completely destroyed, each losing about 95% of their structures. By January, 2019, the total damage is estimated at 16.5 billion. The campfire also cost over 150 million in fire suppression costs, bringing the total cost of the fire to 16.65 billion. The utility company that started it all is called Pacific Gas and Electric Company or PG&E. Fun fact, since 2010, the power and gas company has been found responsible for 117 deaths and hit with more than $15 billion in fines and damages for failing to maintain gas and power lines that stretch across California. So that's just like the background. That's who we're dealing with before their own negligence caused entire towns to be destroyed they were already in violation and fined excessively without changing that's the one who started it and that's the one who's responsible for the cleanup so keep that in mind again going back to the culture right like this is the mentality like uh f the rules like i don't care about environmental rules this is who we're dealing with from here on out for a minute initially to assist in the cleanup pg and e hired a fleet of 180 hydrovac trucks which flocked to paradise from far away as kansas city and montana from paradise the truck operators would have to drive a long distance to dump their loads to places such as chico sacramento or tracy slowing down the work and making it more expensive no not more expensive a man by the name of kustra was a pg and e supervisor in charge of liquid waste disposal, whose area included Paradise found a solution. Yay! Mm. <laughs> Under Kustra's supervision, pg and hired Bay Area Concrete to build a new slurry disposal center at a former waste management facility in Paradise. Work began on the site in December. Once it was up and running, trucks could dump their toxic slurry in 20 minutes and leave with a clean tank of water. The arrangement resulted in substantial savings for PG&E. Yay! Mm. Fun fact: Also, doing it this way meant that PG&E did not have to um, was not required to go through environmental reviews oh as an my- emergency project. And helped speed up speed up the cleanup operations.
1: So they we're, were we're lessening their restrictions when they did this. I'm sensing a theme. Go fast, war on nature, make money. Yeah. Utter bullshit. It's gonna go fine. This is just <laughs> but, <continue>. buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Oh man, I just want to throw my <laughs>
0: <laughs> operating under the name Slurry Waste Solutions, the company profited handsomely. After contracting for the Paradise Cleanup, Bay Area Concrete's annual revenue jumped from 16.5 million to 43.5 million.
1: I'm sorry, they made money. They made money after start capitalism. After 16. 16- billion dollars in damages and leveling two whole towns they made why were they not required to give all of that money to all of oh my god sorry slurry waste solutions that i mean if that
0: doesn't sound like the 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 bad guy in like some sort of superhero movie
1: seriously like they come up in a weird like van and (laughs) like a guy has like a a eye patch and is clearly evil like this is (laughs) oh my god sorry i i I will try to contain my reactions i don't get it i mean they figured out a way to do
0: it fast and make a lot of money what's the problem
1: yeah that always works fantastic when people try to work fast and make a lot of money when it comes to natural disasters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what we should be making that's what we should be capitalizing on right like that's what the story is all about all right kind of like a how-to yes let's dive in (laughs)
0: Uh, in selecting Bay Area Concrete for the environmentally sensitive job, PG&E ignored the firm's history of illegal dumping and conflict with regulators, as well as its employment of a senior manager who is connected to environmental crimes.
1: Oh, but, see, that's why
0: I, <laughs> That's why I said you have to keep in mind PG&E, they were the ones that were like, nah, faulty power lines, that's not going to do anything. Like so that's who's making the decision for environmentally right. sensitive job. Let's get the firm with the history of illegal dumping. Yeah. Like right.
1: they don't care. Can you do it fast? That seems to be the big question. No, no fucking oversight, no conflict of interest, people are like, "Hey, maybe not these people." <laughs> like these this
0: is why we are having these woof. That sounds like slow down talk to me. And we don't need to be slow in an emergency, okay? Fast, fast, fast. Fast. (laughs) So who is Bay Area Concrete? They are a sprawling network of hauling, recycling, and construction companies owned by a Bay Area couple, Preet Johal and Yadwina Kevin Singh. In 16 years, the pair's business empire has grown from a single trucking firm to more than a dozen companies operating in 11 cities throughout the West Coast. They founded their first hauling company, Economy Trucking Services, in 2004. And since 2012, most of their businesses have operated out of Hayward, a Bay Area suburb of Oakland. That year, the couple used a holding company to buy a property. Soon after buying the property, Singh applied to use it to recycle concrete, but Hayward officials opposed the plan. In November 2013, Hayward officials received a complaint alleging that Singh and Johal had ignored the city and began operating the recycling facility without a permit. Concrete dust was covering neighbors' cars. So they sound fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, the summer of 2014, economy trunk trucking used an illegal dump site in Newark, a nearby suburb, to get rid of thousands of tons of concrete and asphalt. Singh and Jahal negotiated use of the site through a man by the name of Olivero, whom they would later... Uh, hire to run their flagship company Olivero is this Olivero Olivero yeah.
2: sorry
0: I think, it, I think it's a Spanish name Olivero Olivero I'm sorry I apologize thank you Olivero used to work for a man by the name of Lucretia
2: just want to put in there the reason why it is Olivero is because Spanish linguistics: When you have more than three vowels in a word, the accent goes on the third vowel. Just thought that would be cool. Thank you. I know that. Thank you. So, welcome. You said it right. Olivero. Olivero. O, le. Those are the two first two. Air. Olivero. O le. But we're probably not doing the be right. Our, our um, Latin, Latinx community don't hate on, you know, what's going on. We're trying our best right now. So <laughs> I know we should be saying Olivero probably, but we're doing our best. So, yes. Oh,
0: Well, and how do you say Lucretio? Lucretio?
2: I don't know about all that. I don't even know if this is actually a um Spanish word, but we're trying our best.
0: Olive- Olivero. <laughs> used to work for a man by the name of Lucretio, whose site was shut down in September 2014 for dumping without permission on wetlands adjacent to the wildlife refuge, who happens to be the home of endangered salt marsh harvest mice and burrowing owls. The uh, EPA opened an investigation, and in 2016, Lucretio was indicted for violations of the federal Clean Water Act. Olivero reached an agreement with federal prosecutors to testify against Lucretio. He testified that Lucretio had hired him in June 2014 to run the site, and his duties included collecting money from contractors dumping dirt and demolition debris and using a bulldozer to spread the dumped material. A jury convicted Lucretio and was sentenced to 30 months in prison. After that site was shut down, Singh and Johal hired Olivero to be the CEO of Bay Area Concrete. Those are the winners at the helm of this environmentally sensitive project run by Bay Area Concrete.
1: So so somebody can have a convicted felony for, like, you know, having... You know, a couple of grams of weed on them, and then they can never get a good job again, or struggle with finding a good job. But you commit like crimes against fucking endangered animals and the environment, and you get awarded contracts for millions of dollars. Is that what Makes I'm hearing?
0: Total sense.
1: Cool. Sounds <laughs> fantastic. I am having such a problem with this right now. Capitalism. So this is, so Bay
0: Area Concrete and and Olivero. What it was, was it was a business of like disposing slurry, which is waste collected and it's by specialized disposal trucks known as hydrovacs and hydro excavation trucks use pressurized water to dig around delicate equipment and avoid accidentally rupturing a gas pipeline or uh, or destroying buried wires. A powerful vacuum sucks up the slurry created in the process. But slurry can be hard to get rid of. And adding water to dirt makes it illegal to take it to ordinary landfills. So by then, Singh and Yohal's Hayward site included a slurry disposal operation. Yay! Hmm. The (laughs) The hauling business and the unpermitted concrete recycling business. Yohal and Singh continued to clash with city regulators over the concrete recycling. A mound of crushed concrete got bigger and bigger and workers could no longer reach the top of it with hoses to control the dust. So some of their sites ran afoul of regulators as well. Shocking, in July, 2018, a water quality control board issued a notice for noncompliance saying that the Sacramento facility still under construction lacked proper state permits. And the County cited the company for illegal importation of dirt used in construction.
1: Why I'm just trying to figure out how they can continue to run an illegal unpermitted recycling operation. And they're just like, Hmm hey here's a notice like why why are they not getting just shut down
2: like isn't that rules don't apply to everyone and when you didn't know you couldn't do it you just don't know I'm telling you I'm gonna start living like that (laughs) Like, I'm just gonna show up as I am take me as I am I don't know how things affect other people I have no idea if they will harm people I just don't know nor do I care Right. I mean, I'm not going to go that far. That's, that is definitely what they're channeling. Right. But I will be a lot more
1: ignorant. It seems to be the blissful area of life. Right. <laughs> just didn't know. So maybe, yeah, we should all just go frolic in a, you know, ignorant field somewhere.
0: hmm They're making cool.
1: more money every year. Yeah, right. Just what the just,
0: hell do they care? Right. In the same month, San Jose, Code enforcement officials cited the company for operating a recycling transfer facility without permits. In October, the Washington Department of Ecology ordered the company to keep its site clean and halt discharge of wastewater to storm drains. But while all of this was going on, PG&E said, let's do business because... PG&E operates a service center right across the street from Bay Area Concrete's main facility in Hayward. Hmm. So that's who you hire. It's not about like who's the best. It's like who's closest to you. So you don't it's like get it done faster. Get it done faster. Environmentally sensitive project.
1: And we wonder why California just keeps burning because we just We have people at the top who just do not care.
0: I'm sure it's gonna go fine. I'm sure they're going to like clean it all up, you know, following environmental regulations and everything, you know, hunky
1: dory. I don't know. If I've learned anything on the red dove, I feel like that's not the case.
0: (laughs) Well, presently, PG and E. Owes Bay Area Concrete millions of dollars when it abruptly terminated its business relationship this year. What? Mm-hmm. Apparently, the utility giant announced that two of its employees lost their jobs over allegations they had taken bribes from the company Bay Area Concrete. Specifically, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just
1: like, So corrupt. I just like you thought the last thing I said was the worst thing. It's just like it's a snowball. I'm just like, oh my god, how bad is this gonna okay? All right, continue. (laughs) Okay,
0: that had to do with a multi-million dollar real estate transaction linking one of Bay Area concrete's owners, Singh, to a PG and E employee who supervised the company's work in paradise. In effect, Singh transferred ownership of a home to the PG&E employee who sold it back a month later to a holding company linked to Sing. It could not be determined whether the PG&E employee paid any money in exchange for the transfer of ownership. Also unclear whether the bribery allegations by PG&E are connected to the home sale between their employee and Sing. It's so- "quote, it sounds like money laundering here," says Eric Foster, a California real estate consultant who's been an expert witness in criminal cases involving real estate fraud since 1997. What you're describing typically is done when someone is trying to do one of two things, when someone is trying to bribe an employee or launder money or both. Funnily enough, who do you think is our friend from the beginning, Kustra, that is running the entire project? who oh walked across the street into Bay Area Concrete. And I was like, hey, guys, can you help us with this?
1: Right.
0: <coughs> <Hey>. What? <laughs> okay, but it gets worse. The house, that was a dream house built several years ago by David Rossi and his wife, Leslie Matheson, longtime business associates of Sings. In 2014, with business booming, Rossi and Matheson built their dream house, It is a 6.3-acre lot in Saratoga. It's a 5,600-square-foot home, six bedrooms, six baths, panoramic views of surrounding hills that are probably on fire, and a four-car-attached garage. So they lived there for two years with their kids, and then 2017, Rossi moves out and files for divorce the following year. The business suffered through their separation and divorce. By the end of 2017, they were forced to sell assets to pay off millions of dollars in debt, including 600000 in back payroll and benefits. One of their biggest creditors was Singh's Economy Trucking, which was owed $863,000. But with Rossi and Matheson's companies underwater, Economy Trucking was probably not going to get their money. So even their dream house was at risk as collateral for a line of credit from one of their banks. So in 2018, the bank foreclosed, Matheson was evicted along with her 90-year-old mother. The bank put the house up for auction and didn't receive any offers it found acceptable. So meanwhile, Rossi says that Singh comes out of nowhere and says he wants to buy the house. And Rossi said he would have to work with the bank to make it happen, uh, but he wanted to facilitate a sale to Singh so he could rent it from him while raising capital to buy it back. Singh submitted a cash offer to buy the house for $3.5 million in November 2018, and Rossi said the bank accepted. Rossi hoped to buy it back for about $4.5 million. But Singh had other plans. Corporate records were unearthed of Bay Area concretes and show that while the fire still burned in paradise, an attorney for Bay Area concrete owners registered a limited liability company at the business address of another one of its companies. And ownership of the new company was later transferred to a PG&E employee named Ryan Kustra, and he lost his job uh, when PG went public with these allegations. It's just
1: so corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, shakedowns and and double crossing and just just make California not burn can we just do that oh yeah that's what this was about originally
2: right I don't know that it was ever about that but we can call it that if we want to I don't think they ever started with that mission in mind but um (laughs) we can pretend right like oh that's right that is on our door huh (laughs) No, on their door, because the other thing is they're like, I only live here for three months of the year and then I go to another place. So it really has nothing to do with them as far as they are concerned. You guys need to get it together for real, for real. Well,
0: PG&E does have an end. So when they hired Bay Area Concrete, that was like proved the latest in a series of dubious choices by PG&E that raised more questions about the utility's commitment to safety and the environment. That same month, PG&E uh, filed for bankruptcy, citing expected wildfire liabilities of $30 billion. On December 6, 2019, the utility company made a settlement offer of $13.5 billion for the wildfire victims, the offer covered several devastating fires called, caused by the utility, including the campfire. This one, like, this will be a little bit of joy, perhaps, not really. On June 16th, 2020, PG&E's CEO and President William Johnson pleaded guilty on behalf of the company to 84 counts of felony manslaughter and one count of failing to maintain the lines that caused the fire near Paradise. The company which declared bankruptcy in January 2019 after the fire is expected to emerge from it as soon as Wednesday. This February, news organizations began investigating and that's when PG&E publicly accused Bay Area of Concrete of defrauding the utility and bribing its employees Bay Area Concrete's contract with PG&E was terminated and now Bay Area Concrete
1: is under criminal investigation. They should all be under criminal investigation. PG&E gets to come back as of Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: But we could turn we're going to turn the tides a little bit. Getting closer to the present, 2019 and COVID. Southeast of California burned twice as many acres that year, and fire was defined as a public good. For over a month that spring, the U.S. Fire Service canceled all prescribed burns in California and training because of COVID-19. So after COVID, or 2020 to the present, August 12, 2020, California Governor Gavin Newsom, the U.S. Forest Service chief, and others signed a memoranda of understanding, or MOI, M-O-U, that the state needs to burn more. Quote, the health and well-being of California communities and ecosystems depend on urgent and effective forest and range land stewardship to restore resilient and diverse ecosystems, the Moa states, the document includes a mea culpa. "Quote: California's forests naturally adapted to low-intensity fire, nature's preferred management tool, but gold rush-era clear-cutting, followed by a wholesale policy of fire suppression, resulted in the overdense, alien forests." that dominate the landscape today." End quote. So kind of a divide. there's a lot of people like Beasley, who we mentioned early on, that is very uh, skeptical. Like, it's like, it's just a piece of paper. You know what I mean? Because they've seen this go on for so long and the resistance that they're just very skeptical of anything actually really changing. But then I did find someone who's a little more optimistic. Oh, bless their heart. (laughs) Lena Quinn Davidson. She is an area fire advisor for the University of California Cooperative Extension and director of the Northern California Prescribed Fire Council. She says she knows the history and remains hopeful. She understands that the new MOA is non-binding. Still, she's working on forming burn cooperatives and designing burner certificate programs to bring healthy fire practices back into communities. She would like to get Californians back closer to the fire culture in the Southeast, where she said, your average person goes out back with grandpa, and they burn 10 acres on the back 40, you know, on a Sunday. Fire is not just for professionals, not just for government employees and their contractors intentional fire as she sees it is quote a tool and anyone who's managing land is going to have prescribed fire in their toolbox that is not the world we've been inhabiting in the west
1: yeah my sister lives up in the mountains and they just had a prescribed I think they did a prescribed fire thing because you know in the mountain communities when fires happen in the mountains, it's devastating because the roads are so hard and windy and it's just going straight. And then there's not a whole lot of options to get out like the streets. You can't get fire trucks on the streets because they're so tiny. And so it can really run rampant if it's not taken care of. And then you have a whole bunch of people trapped up there and trying to drive down, you know, a mountain that's on fire is not ideal. So they've been doing that. I think up there, which I mean, like, it just makes sense. Like, I just don't understand why not I mean, Cause it makes sense because what happens is, is you clear away all of the bad stuff that will go, you know, if you, if, if, if you have these prescribed fires and you do it on purpose, it's controlled. And then that stuff won't burn later. Like when you see all of the destruction, the next fire season, those areas that we were hit hard last time aren't hit again, because all of that stuff has been cleared away but if you do it where you're not damaging homes and stuff, and you just get rid of, you know, the forest um, floor, you know, where you have all the dead debris and things like that, it really makes a lot of sense doing it rather than waiting for these wildfires. And you can prevent. I mean, another issue we deal with here in California is, you know, we're a very hilly state. You know, you have these fires that happen, and then you get the rainy season, and there's nothing on these hills. And we get mudslides and people's homes go flying off of hills because, you know, the fires have weakened the soil and that weakened the integrity of the foundations because they've been let to go instead of controlled. And then the rain produces the sludge and people's houses fall all over the place. It's like it, it just compounds on top of each other because we're not doing things the way we need to do them.
0: Mm. This is, you, go ahead, Liz. What you described it's sort of like when it burns if a fire comes up it acts as like a barrier mm-hmm. the fire can't go past it so then you're saving more houses and potentially lives is how i like understood it i think
1: yeah, that's exactly it. it. It is. It's a barrier. The fire's not going to re-fire stuff that's already been burned. It can't go that far. So if you already clear that stuff out and you set fire to the stuff that needs to be set fire to anyways, then there's nothing for a wildfire to clamp onto. So if you do that around people's houses and their neighborhoods in a controlled manner, then a wildfire won't threaten their homes in a massive tragedy because we've already set that boundary and like nope you can't go any further you're not going to destroy structures and families and lives you know you can do it around endangered species habitats and that's how you protect that and that's how you make sure that it's viable and you know like i said the indigenous americans who were here first they already knew what they were doing so they didn't have these kind of issues because they controlled it, you know, so it's like, you know, destroying a little bit to save complete destruction of everything.
2: I'm such a Jersey girl. I'm confused. I'm literally here, like, even the conversation of like setting things on fire for good reasons. I'm like, whoa, this is a lot for some good hair weather. Like, <laughs> this is really, really a lot. That's what everybody talks about, you know, California, it's the state of great hair, it's you better. know, good hair weather. I am so overwhelmed in thought by, and I, I am going to give, I'm not going to give um, our, you know, main characters any, cut them any slack because they're in leadership positions. But I am going to acknowledge that, you know, having studied public administration, this is some hard decision-making right here. Like, I don't even know if I was, let's say, for example, I I mean, I can't even say, for example, because I wouldn't even know what to do. I would have no idea. And this also speaks to, you know, why we need to be better educated across our country and across our globe to have a better idea of the way things are, you know, interworking. Because this is so far-fetched to me. Like, it's as if this is really like a story story that I'm just hearing and I can't put myself in. So um, this is a great opportunity for those like myself to do more research and understand what is happening because I've always heard, you know, about the wildfires, wildfires. But again, in Jersey, if a fire goes up, somebody meant for the fire to go up. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I cannot. Believe this! Like this is really, really crazy. I can kind of show you what
1: I mean by setting a fire, an intentional fire. So I have a match, right? And I'm gonna set this intentionally, right? And I'll let it burn. Right. And then that's a controlled one, right? We do that. So this area here. I have it here where we have all of this other stuff that can burn that's important. Now, when a new fire comes along, it doesn't burn because it's already been burned. So gotcha. all of this, because we've already set that in place. we put this boundary here.
2: Wow. Even your comfortability with fire is just so different than mine. Mean, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh my gosh, she is a match <laughs> right. inside. <laughs> right. It's so different. I mean, and even when you brought up that point, like whatever's already been burned will not burn again. In my head, I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if that's, but she just did a science experiment, guys. It didn't burn again. They actually know what they're talking about over there on the West Coast. We should be listening to them because this is, yeah, this is out of control. Like this is wild.
0: I didn't know that either. That once you burn, you can't burn again.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it it might burn a little bit, but it's not going to be devastating. It's definitely not like, you know, audience, you couldn't see what I did, but I had two matches and I burnt one and I let it burn for a little bit and then I stuck it in another box of matches and then I lit another match and tried to burn the one that was already burnt to kind of show, right, there's this barrier with the burnt match that was already burnt. So the new fire can't take over. Now, imagine what would happen if I had lit this match and then put it in this box of other unlit matches. That's what California wildfires are.
2: Right. right. Wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Ah. Teacher Rainey. <laughs> I'm trying to figure something I can teach you. I'm like, um, she knows about guns. What else? Um, hair, she knows about. <laughs> I'm over here like, what problems do we have? Oh, you don't know about <laughs> cold weather? I can teach you about a coat. <laughs> I, <what? laughs> I lived in fort drum all right you yeah know more. you know more than i know so I know. <laughs> no. it's like the the more you know yeah
1: right? <laughs> right. right right you know what i don't know anything about is public transportation i'm not great at that at all every time i get onto public transportation i end up in bad neighborhoods
2: look i said i'm from jersey i don't know nothing about that life either yeah, so i can't these. help you yeah, there jersey. we don't know public
0: transportation <laughs> My mom once said, "This tells you about Jersey." My mom once said, "If they ever make the gas stations self serve, I'll protest at the Capitol."
2: I will too. <laughs> I will too. Wait, wait, your gas stations aren't self serve? No. Wait, so you have I, to sit in. Have- yes. Yes, it's a law. Actually, like you're what? not supposed to be touching them.
0: One time I was in Delaware and I waited forever and I was
2: like on the phone. I was like, the service here is terrible. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, that's right. You all, you all are talking about like setting fires for fun. We're not for fun. Not for fun. <laughs> J.K. <laughs> that's right. You know, for shits and giggles. Right. Right. <laughs> We're talking about like even the whole thing with the school dropping the, the um fire. I don't. I don't have the language, so forgive me. Oh, the fire retardant. Yes, the fire retardant. On Dropping case. that on the poor babies. I, mean, I did not. Jeez, that yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Just but then for us, it's like other side. You know, I wish. I wish I would touch a gas pump. I wish <laughs> I would. <laughs> I like, and I'm like, I don't even know how.
1: I I would not know what to do. That's all we do. It's just like you get out. And yeah, I.
2: I would be like, what are you doing? Are you trying to are you trying to mug me? Go away. Like <laughs> now it's to the Don't point where I like will go if I go to other states and I see people standing outside that have interest in pumping my gas, I'll pay them before I will pump my own gas.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And
1: like when I get there and I put my card in and I pay for my gas, and they're like, see attendant, I'm like, I will go to a completely new gas station before I go in and talk to the attendant. No, thank you. I want Uh-oh. nothing to do with any of that. My mom tips the person that
0: that fills her gas
2: that's awesome
0: that's something you wow no but that's something she does right oh, okay. that's not I, right list. that's why I was
2: like that's awesome probably should start but right well when I get that billion <laughs> we all gonna eat <laughs> I'm gonna close out
0: the story with a quote from Lena She says, in trying to increase the pace and scale of prescribed fire, we're actually fighting some really, really deep cultural attitudes around who gets to use it and where it belongs in society, right? That's the whole thing. So I don't know if there's, I'm sure there's ways to support their work and increase knowledge of prescribed burns, but with climate change it's just only gonna get worse
2: well if you just listen to this you shouldn't be playing with fire that's the first thing you should not (laughs) you should no longer be a pyro that's the first thing we should all understand that
0: the fire you showed us
1: that which fire
0: was that that was the most recent el dorado
1: that one you guys probably heard about that one because that was done by a gender reveal they,
2: uh, oh, and you know what yes.
1: we know. It's Californians. Like we know, like the Santa Ana winds are real in Southern California. They're very, very strong winds, and in September things are pretty dry from having a long hot summer because you know we don't get a lot of rain, and so by that's why I say fire season is bad right around September, October, November because we get the winds and then everything's dry over the summer. And so all it takes is just like, you know, the exhaust from somebody's car in a dry area can set it off. So we know Mm -hmm. you don't do stuff. You're careful about it. And so they had a pyrotechnic and they were amateurs to do a gender reveal out um, about 10 miles away from me in um, the Yucaipa mountain area and set everything on fire. And we dealt with that for like a week. But
2: that's really like all a local residents
1: fault definitely but it was also not being taken care of mm-hmm. you are talking about a, a
0: gust of wind setting off something like it, was if it wasn't day. that it was
1: going to be something else yeah really but you know we we know you're like you just
2: don't do it like you don't you you don't do fireworks at certain times of that's that's what i'm saying and i also think that you guys should just stop driving motor powered vehicles you probably should transition to bikes oh no yeah bikes horse and buggies you guys are back back (laughs) in that spot it would take me so long to get anywhere we're such a commuter state (laughs) hey you like to move fast you like to get burnt figure it out one or the other we learned that today you like to move fast you like to get burnt (laughs) So what
1: I'm hearing, Blue, is we just need to slow our asses down.
2: Do it. That's what we all need to do. Shoot, we need to stop creating. Everybody, you know what? That would be a trip. Just everybody in California, like, okay, when you guys get a better plan for this, then we'll go back to work. And then in the meantime, you just figure out how to live your lives. There you go. Let me
1: see if I can show you some of the El Dorado fire.
2: So like, what happens if you find out that, you know, like this person in particular, do you show up at the people's oh, house who had the generate
1: Oh, this family owes the state like millions of dollars. Wow. Because they've caused so much damage. They're going to be under for the rest of their lives. But unlike PG&E, they'll never recover from this. I mean, you can just see like, it's just like, it looks like a war zone.
0: It does.
1: It does. Yeah, I was thinking of like
0: the Terminator movies when you were describing how the fire was cutting off your access to the highways
1: yeah like that's
0: just what was in my head I was like what are you living in wow
1: you could see them like from my house I could see them at night because it's just like right this way and you could see it was just like huge plumes of black smoke and it was just Up in the sky, and you're just like, oh my gosh. And you could smell the smoke. I'm 10 miles away, and I could smell it. And it was windy, and the firefighters had a really hard time with that because you can see it was mountainy. So they have to trudge through all of this underbrush to get up there. There's no, this is not easy. Like, there's no paths to get up there. So they're going through underbrush, and then they're trying to drop all these. Um, flame retardants on it, but it's also wet. Right. so the flame retardant is going all over the place.
2: Right, you
1: know, and you have—I mean, we had we had volunteer firefighters from different states trying to take that one out. There was um, mm. a whole bunch of apple orchards that went under, you know, because we mm. we're bougie too, and we love our apple picking. I do love it.
2: Mm. Y'all it's still fun. got time to be picking apples, but stuff is catching fire like that. Y'all want to be outside <laughs> hanging out? That's we, interesting. There was no apple picking that season.
1: We had to. We had to. <sighs> Yes. I we guess i guess not we had to just be we had to be resigned to our avocados at that
2: unfortunately point. <laughs> oh my gosh what a chore
1: <laughs> it's just like what do we do for fall this is as close as we get to fall it's like apples oh my goodness like and driving down like my mom could see it my mom's 45 mi- miles away from me and she could see the smoke from her house whoa it was that bad.
2: Jeez. So what are you guys paying taxes for? That, hell, if I know. Well, I'm just curious. I'm like, I'm right. pretty major. <laughs> right? It's it,
1: it's not going to fire safety. It's not going toward energy. Wow. And it's certainly not going to the infrastructure. Have you ever driven on a California road? The potholes are insane. So no, I wow. don't know. Mm-hmm. If you were thinking of moving here, maybe think again. Yeah. yeah, you guys do a great job
2: at your imagery. I mean... <laughs> You do a really good job at making it look. I mean, the place was called paradise. Yeah. Like you do an excellent job at just fooling us all. Yeah. Well, I don't plan Two on going any touchdown. Two feet seen. over. It's there's a fire.
1: It's just right. the a cropped photo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're all about framing. You should see the fire at this one place. I'm gonna show you um, this one place, and I want you to figure out what you think this place is called. Is that heaven? That's called Rim of the World. What? Stop. No, I swear to God, that's, Rim of the World was on fire.
2: It sounds like there's a lot more people involved in this than, <laughs> than we're letting on. We, we just touched a tiny bit of the surface. You guys are no. pretty, like, gritty out there, though. You guys are fighting natural disasters. At least you're not fight. well, some of you are. But I probably shouldn't say you. But, like, you know, on the East Coast, we fight each other. <laughs> I, I put my boxing gloves on. I'm out there fighting these fires. Fight <laughs>
1: right. War on fire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. no, I know people think that we Californians are kind of, you know, snowflakey, but I mean, we are. Yeah. We are- pretty difficult weather and I think the hardest thing about our weather stuff is like there's no season for it like tornado season you know there's a tornado season like you know you're probably not going to have a winter storm in July in Philadelphia you know or Mm -hmm. you know tornadoes are only certain times of the year for us the earthquakes and the fires are random it can happen
2: right fire today right y'all better stop doing whatever you're doing out there I know that's what it is
1: According to, you know, you know, the the uh, the red states, you know, we're just a bunch of godless heathens out here anyways with our. Evidently, (laughs) evidently you all burning every day. Jeez. Well, if you like
0: this show, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread the word. Until next time.
2: Mm-hmm.